Damn Good Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Georgia ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You can also find great deals on Falcons, Hawks, and other great concerts. It doesn't get any easier than a two-tap checkout. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hello, everybody. This is Seth Emerson, Georgia beat writer at The Athletic. Rennie Curran, former Georgia player. Over there on the other side, Rennie, how you doing? Doing great, man. Glad to be on another week. Another week. We're going to... This is kind of a two-week lead-up to the Florida game, which is the biggest cocktail party game since 2012. But let's review Kentucky a little bit. And let's start with the the elements, the conditions. Rennie, I, I don't know. I didn't run into you. I don't know if you were there Saturday. Uh, obviously, I was. But I want to get your perspective as a player on playing in those kind of elements. What, what And that's something that's emerged as a big storyline for a lot of people in a big debate as in what could Georgia have done? How much stock can you put in this considering the conditions? I don't know. Ready? what do you think? Go. Talk to us. Man, so it's definitely a, a major challenge when you you know, look at the elements and you look at the, the weather, the, the rain. Um, it really puts a lot of pressure on you to make sure that you're doing everything right. And even in those, uh, being in that mindset, knowing that there can be turnovers, that um, there be tendencies for you to maybe miss a tackle or drop a ball, uh, your mindset really has to be on the fact that you're going to chop it out the entire game. Like you're going to, uh, regardless of what happens, you're in that mindset of longevity of uh, of really playing a full fourth quarter game because you know that things are going to happen. And so that's, that's kind of how you go into games like that when you know the weather's going to be bad. You know uh, it's going to be cold. It's going to be... Um, you know, not ideal conditions. You really have to know that, hey, we're, we're going to stick through this thing. We're going to fight. It's not going to be a pretty win. We're not going to blow them out. But you just kind of put yourself in that mindset of where it's next down mentality, next play mentality. If something goes bad, you pick yourself back up and you get back out there. And I think that's what we did. It definitely wasn't a pretty win. Um, I know, you know, fans were booing. Fans weren't happy with the play calling and different things like that. Uh, but overall, they, they fought through, fought hard. They were patient. Um, the biggest thing I saw was that they took care of the ball. There was no turnovers, which is huge in this game. They did a good job of establishing good field position, even when they did go three and out. So things like that helped, and it, it all built up to where in the fourth quarter we were able to separate ourselves. So those are kind of my thoughts on the game. The I went down to the field. I, I went outside every now and then. Obviously, we're in the press box, which is an outdoor press box. So you see the elements. You're not inoculated from it but then I went down to the field after that you're when we're allowed to be the last five minutes of the game and 
you know, the, the turf was, it, it was a steady downpour. So it, it never really stopped. It was never really a hard rain, and it wasn't like a swirling wind, but it was just a steady downpour. The grass never really got a chance to rest, so to speak. I'm not a horticulturalist, but anyway. <laughs> uh, it, it was clearly not ideal condition now but other people have kind of pointed to past games where there's been rain there's been like the alabama georgia game 2015 there was a rain it was kind of off and on but it was definitely sloppy alabama was able to pass in that game and georgia was able to run at times in that game ready what was what dances what jumps out to you as a game that you played in that was similar elements so we played uh arizona state um, my last year, 2009, I believe, and right. it was same thing, pouring, uh, pouring down the entire game. It was sloppy. Um, a lot of uncharacteristic things happened, very similar to this game. Um, but we were able to run the ball. We were able to establish that ground game, establish field position. Defense played great, which always makes a huge difference in games like that. You know, defense just has to show up, um, make the offense one-dimensional and whatnot. And we were able to do that that day and came, came away with the win. So that's one game that sticks out in my mind. Defense did as, that this game too for Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, it they helps made a lot that of Kentucky plays. was kind yeah, of one-dimensional coming into it. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was another thing I was going to say was uh, the fact that they had Bowden, who was basically a wide receiver playing quarterback, really limited what they could do offensively as well. And so they, you know, did some things on the ground game, but overall it wasn't enough to it wasn't dynamic enough um, to be any type of uh, offensive threat towards us. So. That, that worked out in our favor for sure. Well, and the question is, is what could Georgia have done play calling wise? Could they have done different things? And, and I, I know that it, it's hard to pass in the rain, but you can pass in the rain. That's something Rod Gilmore, the analyst, said on the air a couple times. It's more of can you pass in the wind? And mm-hmm. I don't think it was a swirling wind much. It was, but maybe just enough to make it uncomfortable enough. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say not being a quarterback, not being somebody actually in the arena there. I, I did notice that Jake Fromm was – if his hands weren't passing the ball or handing the ball off, his hands were in his warmers, you know, in his stomach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he was he was dealing with it. Um, it but I, I do come back to the running game. You can run the ball. I mean, there, there's some slipping. People kind of forget that, that you, you slip when you run. So – yeah. That's not easy either, but you can run better than you can pass. And I think the frustration for a lot of Georgia fans, the reason there was booing going into halftime and after the first drive of the second half, which was a three and out, it wasn't aimed at the players. It was aimed at the play calling. And I, I don't know. How fair was that considering – how fair was that booing? How fair was that criticism considering the limitations, considering the weather? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a tough thing to gauge and to judge, especially with those elements. Um, And at the same time, I definitely feel like our offense could have been a a lot more dynamic, even under those circumstances. You know, you look at our play calling, even in the first couple series, what what was frustrating, uh, I can see from the fans' point of view, is the fact that we didn't really have an identity. You know, it's like we come out the first series and we're pounding it. Uh, or trying to pound it with with uh, Swift, right? And then the next series we come out, we're passing every single down, and then we don't get, you know, we go three and out both times. Uh, and then the next series we come out, we're pretty predictable. We we go three and out again, where on third and three or third and four we end up running it, we, we get shut down. So it's just like 
we don't really establish ourselves and, and uh, we're, we're pretty predictable when we try to. So I think that when I look at the offense and uh, what we're doing right now, especially from the from a running standpoint, we're not uh, dynamic whatsoever. I mean, we're running stretch plays and simple stretch plays and dives. Like that's how we're uh, making a living. And, and we're lucky enough to have somebody as talented as Swift who can make things happen uh, throughout the course of the game. But I mean, we could do so much with the talent that we have from what I've seen. This is in no way to criticize the coaching staff, but when I playing linebacker, if, I, if I'm play, playing an offense like this right now, I'm living, licking my chops because I, I know what I'm going to get. You know, mm-hmm. I know I know if, if uh, Swift's in that pistol for, formation three yards behind the quarterback that he's going to get it most of the time. You know, it's just very, very predictable. And so when I look at the offense and what they could do, what they could throw in there, and I'm no office coordinator – by any means, but I want to see some counter plays. I want to see some misdirection, uh, play action. I, I want to see Swift uh, getting a screenplay or getting a, a delayed draw. You know, uh, just different things to mix it up uh, to make us less predictable. And so that's that's why I think some of the frustration uh, comes from with the fans is knowing how much talent we have and how it's not really being utilized um, effectively. Those are great points. Um, let me add to it a little bit. I'm about uh, a little bit more halfway through my rewatch and something that has, I, I can't really add, you made a great point about the pistol. I hadn't even observed that honestly and thought it that it looks like they're giving away that when they're in that formation, it's going to go to Swift. Um, mm-hmm. They, the, the run plays, you know, the thing about the weather, we said it was, the weather didn't really change. It was, if it wasn't good, it was consistently not good. So if those runs to DeAndre Swift, those edge runs to the edge worked in the second half, why weren't they working in the first half or why weren't they being tried more? Mm-hmm. Um, some of it will say, well, it was field position. I mean, Georgia was backed up inside its 20 mm-hmm. for its first seven drives, every right. drive in the first half and the first one of the second half. So are they at that point playing conservative, saying, all right, we're not going to be able to throw the ball downfield because of the weather, which, again, it's debatable, or you know, should they have tried more? I don't know, but set that aside. They evidently believed they could not. So are they saying we're going to be more conservative here and just not give the ball up uh, because of all this? And then when they get the ball at Kentucky's 39 after the, the muffed punt, not muffed, but the shanked punt, and then they get a fumble, to get an even better field position on the next drive, that's when they say, all right, let's go. Um, But can you let field position dictate your play calling, especially if the longer you go in that first half, it's it's still 0-0, and at some point you need to score? Right, right, and I I totally agree. I mean, uh, I think they were kind of playing conservative, especially after you look at last week and what happened with all the turnovers. I think – yeah. Uh, that definitely was one of the major emphasis was we need to win this turnover battle. We need to take care of the ball, um, which played into a lot of that play calling, uh, making sure that they're not doing anything crazy, uh, especially not only with, with uh, you know, just a running game and with Fromm, but having the young wide receivers. So when you look at the passing games, we really didn't do anything drastic. I mean, it was, uh, you know, any everything was pretty much under 10 yards, not, nothing really deep at all. Um, and I think, that was a big emphasis on just uh, it really showed how much the office coordinator trusts uh, the younger wide receivers, you know, making sure that we're putting them in a position to to not have to think too much um, and being able to make plays, especially under those conditions. So um, I, I definitely think it was an emphasis on 
um, not giving the ball up and then also being mindful of the field position, winning that battle and knowing that we have to play a, four, a um, four quarter, four quarter game, you know, play a complete game. And I think we saw that throughout the towards the end, they did, uh, Kentucky did get worn down. And that's when you saw a lot of those plays open up on the ground game. So um, was it the strategy that was appealing and did it get style points? No, but at the end of the day, it was effective when we got the win. So. It's hard to say because we. It's hard to say whether after the South Carolina game, James Coley and Kirby Smart and the rest of the offensive staff sat down and said, "All right, you know what? Look, we got exposed. We got to open things up. We got to throw the ball downfield more. We got to do some different stuff to be more dynamic." Because if they decided to do that, they couldn't show it in this game because they had to. Mm-hmm. And Jake Fromm said this that they basically realized early on in this game, but also perhaps going back to like Thursday when they were really practicing with wet balls in practice and simulating the conditions that they weren't going to be able to do a lot of the stuff that was in the playbook. So, so much of the frustration over the play calling is because of the South Carolina game and what they saw as some kind of predictable conservative play calling before that, which didn't really affect the team because they won those games anyway. So it, it, if this was a one-off, Rennie, if this game had just been – if they were 6-0 and coming into this mm-hmm. and had beaten South Carolina pretty convincingly, offense seeming to run on all cylinders, and they had this game plan and won the game, people would be ecstatic. They'd say, right. well, look how smart they were. You know, they, they realized that they had to junk a lot of the playbook – uh, and had to play a certain way and had to really play the long game here to win this one, avoid turnovers, et cetera, et cetera. Look how smart they are. Look how great they are. But because it's coming off of South Carolina and the first five games where it, it looked like the offense was not quite what people wanted anyway, that's why people are, are upset. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like you said, uh, coming off that loss, um, I think – and we all can agree we wanted to see Georgia kind of come back out with that fire and have a really dominant win leading up into this bye week to show that, hey, we're back on track. You know, show that Jake Fromm, it was just a, a fluke that happened last week, that he's the guy who we expect him to be, efficient uh, passer. And for them to come out and have that slow start, it, it definitely was uh, disappointing uh, from the fans' point of view and just from what we expected. But at the same time, it's like having to take into uh, account like it's very easy to not take into account the elements and how big of a role that that plays uh, in in performance and, and whatnot. But I definitely agree. It's it's if it was a, a different outcome last week, I think fans would be a lot more forgiving for what happened this week, and and just right. um, the expectations wouldn't be as high. But I think we're ready to see with the amount of talent that we have, we're ready to see this uh, team be where it needs to be and be as as explosive as it has the potential to be. So hopefully, you know, we have this bye week now where we can get back healthy. We can get uh, fine tune all those things that we need to fine tune these next couple of weeks and be ready to uh, go into Florida uh, pissed off with a head full of steam. That was going to be my next question. And let's go to, to this now. What can they do over the next two weeks and I guess in a bye week in general this is Georgia's second bye week so it's kind of nice they've had a warm-up bye week 
before what is a really critical bye week. How much retooling do you think they can do How in this period of time? How much should they do? As someone who's been in the arena, who's been through a season, a long season, you have a – that's what people forget. They're like, all right, it's bye week, you know, change this, do this, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It, it's still just one week. They've had all of the off season, spring practice, summer workouts, preseason, this season. You can't – how much can you do in a week, If and how much do you think Georgia should do? Right? Oh, man, that, that week, even though it only seems like a week, like that week is huge. Um, just from the standpoint of not having to travel, not having to do all the game preparation, um, but you can literally just work on um, just fine-tuning your skill sets. You can spend that extra time in the weight room, getting your legs back up under you, getting as strong as you want to get. Um, you can get that rest, which is everything. Um, you can add in more dynamic plays. You can take that time to, okay, look back at the past five weeks and see, okay, these were some of the things that we made mistakes on. As a player, you can even spend that time with yourself to say this is the areas that, of my weakness that I need to improve on this week. Um, even for the young guys, you know, they get a chance to spend that extra time in the playbook and maybe learn uh, mm-hmm. those plays that um, that when they come up, there's that hesitation and they're not that clear on. They can spend extra time with their coach as well. So there's just so many things that, that happen during that bye week that really set you up for success. And then uh, even off the field, you know, away from the performance side, uh, mentally, like guys can come together. Um, this is a time where a guy like a Jake Fromm, J.R. Reed, like they'll get guys in a room and really regroup um, and just say, hey, guys, like this is a crucial time of the year. We need to you know, get our asses in, <laughs> in check. Like, we need to do what we need to do if we're going to have the season that we said we want to have. Like, you get to revisit a lot of those commitments that you made to your teammates at the beginning of the season. Like, hey, guys, I want to show up. I want to be the best player in the SEC. Or whether it's you want to be the best defense, you get to really take a step back and revisit those things. So that bye week is, is very, very crucial. And how they approach this week is going to really determine how the rest of the season goes, in my opinion. I'm really curious the way this is playing out because we, we tend to compare every season to previous ones, and, and the comparison is that's being made is to 2017 and 2018, which played out pretty similarly, just with different expectations. But both seasons, Georgia went 11 and one and lost a game at an SEC West team on the road and a very good team, Auburn and then LSU. And so while those games were ugly and there were upset Georgia fans afterwards, they were still, when you looked back and said, okay, you know, you get one of those, especially if you win the other 11. And they won a lot of those, especially in the 2017 season by a lot. 2018, they didn't win as many games in that fashion, but they, they won enough. And so they were good enough in both seasons to go into the SEC championship game playing well, and 2018 nearly beat Alabama. 2017, we know how that went. They did beat Auburn, did beat Oklahoma, almost beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. So we look at this year and we compare. They're 6-1, and one, which is what they were this time last year, but the, the loss was at home to an average, maybe mediocre South Carolina team. But if they run the table, they go beat Florida, 
especially the way Florida has looked and the way things have looked for Georgia, that gives Georgia this immediate spark where they could still end up 11-1. and one. But they also have exhibited Georgia has a lot of weaknesses that have a lot of people going, they're not going to beat Florida, they're not going to beat Auburn, uh, Texas A&M and Missouri are not gimmies. I don't know. I don't know how I feel, Rennie. I mean, I, I, I could see this team using this as the jumping off point to, you know, especially being booed at home, this galvanizing moment where they really kind of wake up and, and run the table at least the rest of the regular season. Or I could see that, yeah, they've been exposed in ways that it's going to continue to haunt them going forward. I don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah, no, nah, you're, you're exactly right for those sentiments, man. Um, I, I really believe that, like I said, this bye week is going to be crucial. How much uh, they come together, uh, where the leadership takes over, as far as like those players who've been in those, that position. Because as much as we have, you know, the Jake Fromms, the JREs, we have a lot of young guys too who are in uh, positions to make plays who haven't necessarily uh, had those past experiences as well. So those guys have to grow up quick, um, very, very quick. The, the Dominique Blaylocks. Um, Pickens, those guys have to really, really uh, grow up and, and get in that mindset of uh, having a sense of urgency. Uh, and that that's across the board. But especially with those guys who haven't been there uh, before. Uh, and like you said, it's, it's really this uh, Florida game is really going to make uh, a statement, um, especially not only to the Georgia fans, but to the players themselves as far as how the season is going to go. And so, like you said, it can either be a situation, it's either going to be a situation where they come out, they're dominant, uh, they get things back on track, and it builds that momentum for those following weeks, the Texas A&M's, the Auburn's, or, uh, you know, if we come out and still don't have that, that uh, you know, that eye of the tiger, that sense of urgency, that killer instinct, and we go out there and we lose a close one to Florida, I think that's going to snowball into a really, really <laughs> tough season. And I, I would hate to see that happen with as much talent that we have. But um, like I said, if this team doesn't come together and those leaders don't really step up and, and get behind these guys during this week and really wring their neck, especially the young guys and some of the older guys, um, that's exactly what's going to happen. So they're, they're at a crucial point. I know Kirby's going to be in their ear telling them, hey, we need to fix this, we need to do that. But it has to come from the players. Like They have to have that mentality where it's like, hey, guys, like every single play from now on matters. So we got to really focus on becoming the best team that we can in these next couple of weeks and go out and really, you know, uh, make a strong statement against Florida. Yeah, it's it, it really is a galvanizing moment at this point. And it, it has to be because they, they have to turn it on. I, I go back to I, I think I said this on the podcast with Jeff or I don't remember if I said it with Jeff or with you, but. Very early in the season, when things seemed to be going so well, before um, I don't know if it was before or after the Notre Dame game, um, a colleague of mine who I respect a lot said, "You know, I think this might be a two or three loss team, Georgia. That is." And I was like, "You know, I I, I see glimpses that it could be that." Um, but we all kind of thought they were a two or, th- or three loss team in 2017, and then they went in on the run that they did. Mm-hmm. So this team has the talent, and you still go back to what we said in the preseason, which was we're, we're not calling them a two- or three-loss team potentially because of lack of talent or because of lack of depth or because there's any area of glaring weakness. It's just 
something seems to be missing. Like they're and and it's it's bearing out a little bit whether it's play calling if you want to criticize that or if it's the young receivers not able to get separation uh, things like you know George Pickens probably could have had a first down on a couple mm-hmm. completions in the first half but didn't get quite in front of the marker um, <clears throat> I think I mean the defense is clearly playing well Rennie but you also have to look at the competition I looked it up the other day and I'm gonna this will be in my second glance but as well as Georgia's defense is playing, the total yards per play rank of the offenses they've faced so far, Notre Dame's really Notre Dame's good. They're 13th. Mm-hmm. Then Arkansas State's 39th nationally. South Carolina's 73rd. Kentucky's 93. Tennessee's 95. Vanderbilt's 102. Defense is doing well. They've got to just now do it against better mm-hmm. opponents. Um, Florida being the first, and you know, but they they luckily don't have to face Alabama, LSU. Oklahoma, Clemson, teams like that until later if they do. But I, I, I see you know, it's just, like I said, something they, – they're not quite there. They're, something's missing. They're not playing the way a national championship team does. But they've got time to do that. And I still think they have the talent <clears throat> and the coaching to do it. Yeah, I, I agree. They definitely have the time, the talent. Um, like I said, it, it starts with the players and the, the mentality that they take um, into each game. But when their numbers are, uh, are called, uh, do those do they do the little things that matter? You know, you mentioned George Pickens and his route running, not quite clearing the sticks. You know, all those little things matter. And all those things also add to, like, the confidence that a James Coley has when he's calling a play. Like, can I trust this guy to yeah. know that he's going to make, you know, this play if I call it? Um, which all plays into his play calling, right? Because he can only do so much that the players allow him to do. So if he knows... Uh, that you know George Pickens is supposed to get supposed to be the guy on a certain play, but he's not sure if he's going to clear the sticks. Nine times out of ten, he's going to go a different route, or Jake Fromm is going to go a different route when going his through his progressions. If he's not sure if a guy is going to make a catch or not, so there has to be that that trust element uh, from the player standpoint and from a coach to player standpoint as well, um, which I think is what we're seeing right now because we have so many young guys across the board. Um, and then there's a new, you know, new office coordinator. All those things matter, like in the dynamics of, of trust and, and performance and all those things. So which is why I think this bye week, once again, is so important because they're going to be able to um, work on those things, work on that chemistry, work on the, the play calls between, you know, uh, what uh, what's going to happen in certain situations. Um, all those things, which will lead to, to a better overall outcome uh, and more explosiveness, in my opinion. There are a lot of intermediate throws, the 15 to 20 yard variety, that I think are not being called or made because of Jeremiah Holloman not being on the field. He was the guy who was going to make those. They, that, that was an unplanned departure. I mean, McCole Hardman, Riley Ridley, you miss them, but look, the way Georgia's recruiting now, this is Alabama. This is what happens. You get really good players, you're only going to have them for three years. Jeremiah Holloman leaves in the summer. That's hard to make up. Now you're asking George Pickens to be that guy. Um, I, I think that they need to throw to the tight ends more. I've, I've never been a guy that, I mean, I, I love the fans always saying, why don't we throw to the tight ends more, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think they're in a situation they need to throw to the tight ends more. Charlie Warner needs to be utilized more, especially over the middle, short dump-offs, those kind of things. Um, the ability, you know, the slants. Maybe the slants were in the playbook this week, but they had to get rid of mm-hmm. those because of the weather. Um, you might say those are shorter throws that shouldn't be as affected by the weather. 
Um, maybe, maybe not. Um, but they need to do more of the slants. They need to do more of the the Charlie Warner, Eli Wolf. I mean, I don't think Warner's caught a pass in like four or five mm. weeks. Um, they're at, I mean, rewatching the game, Rennie, he's uh, in protection mm-hmm. on a lot of pass plays now. They're not even sending him out. So and and James Cook, you know, fair. They're they're trying to get the ball to James Cook, but they're not doing it in ways that really get him the ball in space. A lot of the stuff that DeAndre Swift talked about last Monday when he met with us and said we need to get the ball to our playmakers, mm-hmm. and, you know, they 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 need to do a lot of that. And like you said, this is a week that they need to do that. And maybe to their, you know, to be fair to them, maybe they did plan it, but the weather ruined those plans. We don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a tough call, and you know, for both of us, we don't really know what, what's taking place in the, you know, during the practices, in the uh, office of, you know, uh, the the full office of team meetings, all those things, all those situations that we don't see, is where, you know, that's what makes a difference in the game, and so, and what I mean by that is, a Charlie Warner, a, a Wolf, those guys, if they're not, you know, the guys in the in the uh, office team meetings who are building that trust with their coach to let them know that hey you can count on us to throw us the ball they're not going to go to them and they're not going to be part of the, the game plan and even uh you know you mentioned them uh, south carolina game they both had opportunities where they could have made plays but they had drop balls uh wolf had one that went straight through his hand charlie warner had a, a, yeah. a drop pass as well so they in my opinion haven't been really uh dependable playmakers when it comes to the pass game should we give them more of our opportunities yeah should we get them more involved yeah but um does does the office coordinator have that trust you know that they're going to be able right. to secure does jake Fromm has have that uh chemistry with them and that trust with them to know that hey if i get them to uh, go you know with them on third and short that they're going to make the play and i can't i mean obviously it's you know through the actions and what we see we can tell that it's not really there which is why they primarily pass block. Uh, so hopefully that they're able to build that during this week and uh, we're able to get more weapons because I definitely think it's important. And like you said, Holloman, man, that was a huge loss. Golly. Uh, when I saw that happen, I was just like, man, who, who's going to be our guy? I mean, luckily, Cager has stepped up, but even he's hurt. You know, hopefully we can get him back. He was hurt. Yeah, yeah. hopefully we can get him back these, uh, you know, for the Florida game. But golly, I can't stress enough how, how much that Holloman – um, leaving that that hurt us big time, and so we definitely need, like you said, Pickens to really grow up quick and uh, start making a lot of those more consistent and smart plays that we know he can. All right, Rennie, we'll wrap it up there. A lot on Kentucky and where Georgia is to this point. Next week when we talk, let's talk a lot of Georgia. Oh yeah, man, we? I got a lot of memories in that game, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be oh, a lot yeah. more good ones made. But, yeah, I, I look forward to talking about that and, and uh, getting excited. This is going to be a huge game. I'm excited to be down there as well, too, for that one. So it'll be a lot, be a lot of trash talking. <laughs> yeah. All right, Rennie. Well, we'll talk next week, and we'll get into all that, Georgia-Florida memories, and preview the game. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Go Dogs. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face.